hey, what's up, everybody? We're back here for Turnbase, the RPG podcast, episode nine. I'm joined by my fellow coalition staff members here, Gary Swaby and Richard Bailey. Say hi, everybody. Hi, what's up? How's it going, listeners? So today we are going to first talk about what we've been playing, then a little bit of RPG news, and uh, we're going to have a spotlight segment, and then instead of upcoming, we're going to do impressions, and uh, that'll be a very entertaining segment, I promise. Uh, so first, what have you been playing lately, Gary? Um, Mass Effect 3, man. Um, that's pretty much all I've been playing for the past like week and a half. Um, I mean, we're going to get into that, like... We, we, I'm not going to go too deep into it because, you know, we're going to talk about that in the impressions, but it's a very controversial, you know, experience. Uh, I'll say that much. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What about you, Richard? Yeah. Well, I've been playing Mass Effect 3 as well, which we will discuss later. Uh, I also have been playing FIFA Street. And there's a review on the site now for those that want to check it out, sports fans. Uh, other than that, though, Mass Effect 3, which I'll get into more details later on. Yeah, I mean, pretty much the same for me. Uh, Mass Effect 3 has been pretty much dominating my uh, my computer for the most part. I've also been playing a little bit of Skyrim, which is, you know, typical. Uh, I've played some Old Republic. I'm going to talk about that later. I did the weekend trial. Um, let's see, I also played a little bit of some other MMOs like DC Universe and stuff. Uh, but yeah, pretty much Mass Effect 3 has been the primary focus that I've been having. And so also, before we get started, uh, I want to give a shout out real quick to an, a certain Facebook page, which everyone should check out if you're a fan of the show. It's called RPG247365. And, uh, they post a lot of stuff about RPGs. They... Uh, show a lot of different uh, previews. They focus a lot on JRPGs, which is good, because uh, not a whole lot of people know a whole lot about the JRPG stuff going on. And they, they're they pretty excited about the Vita. And they, uh, yeah, the admins are really good. They update the site daily, so you should go check them out. I just liked that page. There you go. See? Even Gary Swaby likes them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now, uh, moving right on into the news. First up, uh, speaking of Skyrim earlier, the new Skyrim patch is coming out soon. I posted an article about that on the site. You can check it out for details. But first is that uh, this has already been in beta form on PC and Steam. So if you're interested in trying it out and you play Skyrim on the computer, uh, go to your Steam tab and go into your settings, and you can activate the beta there. You have to opt into it because not everyone can download it if you're um, just defaulted, you're opted out, but you have to optionally go in and download it. And uh, what the, this new patch does is at first it adds kill cams for ranged combat, like arrows and spells. Then it also adds new kill cams for melee combat. And then they fix the problem where every single thing that you smithed, regardless of value, levels you up the same. So now you level up based on what the value of the item is, which oh, I think nice. is good because that was a serious problem where you could just make a bunch of iron daggers and max out your smithing seal in an hour. So, uh, yeah, there's no release date yet for the official patch on PC, and they haven't said anything about when it will come up for console, but they did say it will. So uh, console players just have to keep an eye out for that. It will be coming eventually. So what do you yeah, guys I'm, think I'm about actually, that? I'm really glad they added kill cam for ranged weapons because that was the thing. Because like, with my second character, I use um, predominantly mage attacks. 
So it's like I wouldn't get the benefits of the kill cam because, you know, I'd mostly use magic. But and and you know, the kill cams that are there now are for more um sneak attacks and stuff. Or um if you're using a sword or something. So it's yeah. it's good that they um added you know, the kill cams for ranged attacks and magic attacks. Um that that was much, that was a much needed addition. So yeah. Yeah, I agree. And another thing is that um during that game jam that they showed at uh what was it, Dice, I believe they showed a video where they uh Bethesda just had all of their developers go and make whatever they wanted for a weekend and yeah. record a video. And so they had that compilation and this was something that was in that video. So maybe this is hinting at that they're gonna do more of this stuff in that video, like being able to ride dragons or build your own house or something like that. So oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, if that's the case, that that's incredible. All right, and so uh, next topic is, uh, this has also been posted on the site, that Diablo 3 finally has a release date. It's going to be coming out on May 15th. Did either of you guys play the other Diablo games? I haven't, but I've been meaning to catch up on them, um, and I definitely will be getting this one. Like, me and Eddie V have already kind of made a pact where we're both going to get this and play it together. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely definitely getting this. Oh, uh, wait, wait, hold on a second. Is, a, is the... Uh player versus player option still there because i thought they got rid of that i think they're getting it's not going to be there at launch but it's they're going to add it in later oh okay okay yeah which i mean it's fine because maybe this means that they're going to get to release it sooner and i know people have been wanting to play this for ever the game's been in development for what seems like forever so (laughs) i'm sure people are just happy to eventually get to play it this is true wait what platforms is this out for Right now, just PC. They've, like, hinted at wanting to bring it to consoles, but there's nothing definitive right now. Okay, but it's, it's going to be on Mac, too, right? I believe so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Mac. It will be. Yeah, That's I cool. mean, I'm interested in it, but uh, I've played Diablo 2 quite a bit, and I've played games of this genre a lot, like uh, Dungeon Siege, Titan Quest, all that kind of stuff. And, I mean, they're fun, but once you've played one, you've kind of played them all. And so I've played Diablo 2 quite a bit, and so I might play this eventually, but I don't think I'm going to get it at launch. Just because there's so much other stuff that I want to play. Like Guild Wars 2, that's when the betas are going to be starting around that time, and uh, I definitely want to get involved in that instead if I have to choose. Yeah, that's another game I want to get involved into. Yeah, I'll be speaking on that a lot more in the on future episodes once it starts getting closer to launch. P- PC only, right? For what? Guild Wars 2. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it might be coming on Mac, but I'm not sure. Oh. It's definitely not on consoles, that's for sure. Uh, no, I won't have no problem if it's on Mac. But uh Yeah. I'm I'm excited. It's gonna be incredible. Alright then so, You already joined the guild, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm already in the guild. One of my my girlfriend's cousin actually messaged me on Facebook and he was like, Hey, I know you're a pretty big gamer and I wanted to see if you wanted to join our guild for Guild Wars Sue. And I was like, uh, it's not even out yet. <laughs> I was like, how obsessed are you guys? And then he's like, oh, no, no, we're not that serious. We just want to get a group of people together ahead of time. And I was like, oh, okay, well, okay. Hey, you supposed to be more excited than that, David. <laughs> no, I'm excited, but I just don't want them to have, like, a weekly, hourly uh, requirement of how much I have to play or something. Some guilds are like that. They take it very seriously. So I'm just, I'm, I don't think they're going to be like that. They seem pretty cool. 
we'll, we'll see. Yeah, we will see. And uh, so next up, we have Baldur's Gate, this whole little fiasco that was going on. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know, they had a website posted up that had the logo and it had some music playing in the background. And every few weeks, if you checked the source code, they would change the comment that was there to different dialogue from the different games, kind of hinting at something was coming. And so the night before, they had the dialogue set as, it was some talk of one of the characters resurrecting something that was dead. And then it said, like, uh, you know, like March 14th, it is coming. And so there was a timer that was counting down. And as soon as the timer got done counting down, their website got so many hits that it just it, it yeah, went down. It was like the, yeah, the server just shut down. It got overloaded. <sighs> Basically, what happened to the PS3, but this was on accident. And mm. so yeah, and so what ended up happening is not Baldur's Gate 3. It's an enhanced edition, which um, I've been following the Twitter of one of the developers, and he said that it's going to include the first two games. They're gonna, I think it's going to be two separate releases, and it's going to have all the expansions. They're going to add some new content. It's going to be an updated engine, but it's not going to be 3D like Dragon Age. It's still going to be a 2D style, uh, sort of isometric view. Mm. Yeah. But, but are they going to like? Are they going to update the resolution and everything? Because I mean, those games are really dated now. So. Oh, I would assume they, they have to, because yeah. it it looks almost like the graphics are almost looks like they were like hand drawn because it's mm. very uh it's, yeah it's very very dated yeah because i mean i've been meaning to play these games for the longest time as a bioware fan but it's like you know the fact that it's so dated and stuff it kind of does put you off a little bit sometimes yeah i've but, tried um, them and um they're pretty hard to get into today just because mm. they're they're based on uh the second edition of Dungeons and dragons which is yeah. a lot for lack of a better term, a lot more hardcore. It's pretty intense. Uh, like, surviving is pretty tough. Uh, a lot of the stuff in the game, for for example, like, if a party member dies, they're dead permanently. Um, like, the game, the graphics are dated. The mechanics are pretty dated. It's all point... Wait, what do you mean by that dead permanently? Like, what do you mean by that? Like, if a party member dies, like, during a fight, the default setting for the game is that they're dead permanently. So you can't, like, revive them? I think there might be ways to revive them, but you'd have to be very high level. You'd have to be, like, a very experienced cleric or something like that. So, like, once the battle is over, like, you'll still have the character, though, right? I don't know about that. Okay. I haven't played them enough, but I played the first one a little bit, and I just looked around at the options, and I noticed that the default was for permanent character death, or permanent party member death to be on. Okay. So... That just kind of gives you an idea of the, I guess, the tone of the game. It's very brutal and dark, and yeah. So I think it's, they're well overdue for an update, because these are some of the most highly regarded RPGs in the history of gaming. So I think it's going to be good to get them out to a new audience, hopefully. Okay. All right, and uh, next topic is, let's see here. We'll talk about Bioware cutting the Dragon Age 2 expansion. I know you two were talking about this a little bit earlier today, uh, so what do you think about this? Well, you know I'm a big Dragon Age fan. I mean, as far as Dragon Age 2, they did release some DLC. Um, They released, like, two DLC packs that were pretty good. Uh, Well, 
the first one was, uh, it was it was okay, but the second one they released with um, Felicia Day, that one was pretty pretty good. But this, it sounds like it was going to be something, you know, a lot bigger, like a full expansion, like Dragon Age Awakening was for, you know, the first game. But it, they've cut it so they can work on other Dragon Age opportunities. So, I mean, as far as what the other Dragon Age opportunity might be, like, um, there was talk of them making an online Dragon Age or something. So, it's either that or, or I mean, it could be Dragon Age 3 too, I guess, but I don't know, because they kind of hinted that the online one would be a separate game, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah, and uh, so, I know that they've also hinted at there being multiplayer Dragon Age 3, like, deathmatch-style multiplayer, and so I'm not really sure what opportunity they're focusing on here. Um, mm. I'm, I kind of wonder if it's Bioware that cut the Dragon Age 2 expansion to focus on other opportunities, or if a certain other acronym has something to do with that. EA. That's the one. Yeah, I'll put my money on EA. Probably. Because... They seem to be messing up a lot of Bioware franchises lately, so... Yeah, well, that's what happens, so... But, I mean, as far as Dragon Age and, like, future additions to the series, I'm not too optimistic about it, judging from, you know, what's previously happened with Dragon Age and Mass Effect, even. You know, I'm I'm just not too optimistic about it. I think, at this point, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just gonna put Dragon Age Origins up there as one of the best, you know, games coming from Bioware ever and just, you know, like, just disregard everything that comes after it because <laughs> that game that game was just, it, it's it's on such a high pedestal to me and they can't top that game as far as Dragon Age. So, you know, I'm just going to call it a loss at this point because <laughs> everything that comes after Origins is just not going to live up to Origins. Okay, so next we have something that is pretty interesting. I was... Definitely disappointed to hear about this happening. Um, so what I guess what happened with New Vegas is that Bethesda paid Obsidian like a flat fee, just like a overall amount of money to develop New Vegas. And then if it got a Metacritic score of 85 or higher, then they would start getting royalties and bonuses and stuff like that. But the disappointing thing is, guess what its Metacritic score is? 84. That's right. <laughs> so they didn't get a dime after that. Damn, that's, that's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so thoughts on that? Well, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, that does suck for Obsidian because they did a fairly good job. But I remember that... Oh, there's an echo. Never mind. Anyway, yeah, I, I keep hearing myself. I think that's coming from Richard. Yo. Okay, it's better now. Yeah, um yeah, they they did a fairly good job, but I remember a lot of people complaining about bugs in that game. So, I guess it's it's that that's probably what messed up the Metacritic score to be honest, the bugs, cuz I remember a lot of people complaining. Well, I mean, that and the fact that it was basically just Fallout 3 again. Mm. Like they didn't really change a whole lot to make it a standalone game. It a lot of people just felt like it was an expansion. And so, yeah. I mean, uh, I guess... But I, I, don't, I don't agree with that, though, because it was a totally new environment. 
Like they they had to spend time developing that whole new world or whatever, that whole new state. You know, like that that can't be done in just an expansion. Like you can make a a, a little environment, you know, and have it as an expansion, but to create a, an area that big, you know, that takes a lot of work. And there were a lot of missions, a lot of new missions and stuff. Like it's a it's definitely over thirty hours at least, I think. Yeah, I guess part of it is just because since Fallout is tied to Bethesda now, a lot of people were expecting a sequel on the level of a Bethesda sequel. And as you know, Bethesda, when they make a sequel, they overhaul everything. Morrowind, Oblivion, Skyrim, all three of those games don't even look like they're related at all. They're so vastly different in in some ways, like in the engine and the graphics and everything. So, I mean, I guess people were just kind of expecting more. But at the same time, given Obsidian's history, you know, they all they all they've pretty much done to this point is make sequels on established franchises that don't live up to the original. Yeah, they they kind of have a track record. Yeah, they have Kotor yeah. two, Neverwinter Nights two, Dungeon Scenes three, Fallout New Vegas. I mean, none of those titles are as good as the originals in most people's eyes. So it's kind of a frustrating position to be in. Yeah. But hopefully, South Park RPG. We'll see what happens. And uh, also, a result of this was that they had to make a lot of layoffs. And what they have stated is that they were working on a next-generation project that was unannounced, and no one knew anything about that they had to completely cut. Alpha Protocol 2. <laughs> hey, man, I like the first one. I don't care what you say. <laughs> that's, that's Rich's favorite game. Nah. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know Rich loves that game. I actually did like it. I haven't finished it yet, but I like it a lot. See, the thing is that annoyed me with that. Like, I I liked parts of it, but it's just the shooting that really annoyed me. Yeah. <laughs> I know, because whenever I tell people, that's it's kind of odd to say, yeah, I mean, the game was really good. I like everything about it except the gameplay. <laughs> <laughs> so you liked everything about it except for the parts where you had to play the game. Yeah. That's right, pretty so. much the game in a nutshell. Yeah, it really is. The dialogue is really cool. All the different... Yeah characters and relationships and some pretty good choices in there and, and the way you can upgrade you know all the guns and stuff as well like that's pretty good but it's just the actual gameplay mechanics themselves it's like ugh. yeah i agree it, especially because some of the bosses it seems like they didn't take into consideration that not everyone was going to play a character that focused on like assault rifles yeah some of the bosses they force you into like a little hallway corridor to get into a firefight but if my character is a stealth character it's not really fair because i'm not for that fight (laughs) yeah it's interesting so next up we have uh some mmo news here uh first off is that there's some pretty hefty rumors going around about an elder scrolls mmo and uh, it's always, always been kind of rumored for a few years now, but this is the first time that someone has actually came out and claimed to have concrete details. Um, there's an article posted on, uh, first place I saw it was Game Informer and a few other places, uh, but they said that it's going to be announced in May, that it will be at E3 and it will be at QuakeCon, and that is going to take place about a century before Skyrim, so it would take place during the, uh, the same era as Oblivion. Um, so probably before then, though, because Oblivion's 200 years before Skyrim, so I guess it would take place much before that. Uh, and there's going to be different factions, one based on an eagle, one on a wolf, and one on a lion, I think. Um, that's that's all that I've heard so far. 
Wow, like the idea of a, of an Elder Scrolls MMO is really exciting. Like, because um, I don't play MMOs as much as I should. Like, I really do want to get into a, a good MMO sometime. But it's like, you know, because you have to worry about so many, like, updates and all that stuff. And I have slow internet, so it kind of puts me off. But um, for for Elder Scrolls, I would definitely try try the MMO out, like, without a doubt. Because I'm so heavily invested in the franchise. So there's no way that I'm not going to play an Elder Scrolls MMO. And there's so many things they could do with it as well. Yeah, I mean, it has a lot of potential, but part of a franchise going into the MMO space is a little scary because you don't know what the gameplay is going to be like. So, yeah, I mean, if they, can figure out a way, if they can figure out a way to retain the feel of current Elder Scrolls games, mm. then I'd be all for it. But if it turns into a wild... No, I think it's going to be pretty... You know, it's going to be vastly different, I think, because there's no way you can make it, you know... You, there's no way you can make a Skyrim into an MMO. Like, they have to optimize everything and balance everything, you know, correctly. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I mean I'm hopeful. What would you... No, what was you saying? Oh, no, I know. I'm done. Like, would you think they might change, and how do you think they, they might achieve this? Uh, well, for one thing, like, it seems like if someone were going to make an MMO, the default way to make it would just be, like, the traditional kind of combat and gameplay, kind of like mm. WoW and Old Republic and, you know, every other MMO author that's popular where you just, you know, you click on a target and then you, you know, click attack and wait and you select an ability and wait. And mm. I feel like if that was the gameplay for a Skyrim or a Elder Scrolls MMO, that I don't think it would really work that well. I wouldn't be very appealed to that. Okay, well, I mean, you've played a lot more MMOs than me, so, like, is like, is there any ideas you can give on, you know, like, how you think it would be able to work out? Like, I mean, I've seen, I've played MMOs that have real-time combat, mm. and it feels more like a kind of Skyrim style where, you know, you can go into first person, it's all real-time fighting, stuff like that. But they weren't anywhere near as polished as this Elder Scrolls MMO would need to be. And uh, another concern is, you know, I love Bethesda, but they've never even made a game with multiplayer components at all. So yeah. I don't know how diving directly into an MMO would work for them. So I don't know. I mean, I I think they it has a brink. No, they published it. They didn't develop it. Oh, yeah, true, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. That's a pretty bad example anyway. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on this, Rich? Well, uh -oh. is that... Is it, is, it, is it for sure coming out this year, or is this all speculation that there's no really release date yet? I doubt it would come out this year. It's not even announced yet. Well, that's the next step. I don't think that's a bad direction. Um, they, they, well, you see people, I see the amount of things that are modded, that were modded on in, in uh, Skyrim, so I would imagine that the possibilities are endless, and therefore, to make an MMO, it would seem like it's the next logical step for them. Um, of course, you know. Uh, you think it, you think it makes sense to make an MMO before they add co-op? Well, can can the co-op be a feature of the MMO, or you're saying they should have multiplayer? But you're saying they should have multiplayer first. Yeah, I think he's saying they should have co-op like in Skyrim, like in the regular game on consoles and everything. Like co-op should be an option. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, 
Because, I mean, because an MMO is, you know, it's always online. You always play with other people. And since they haven't even experimented with allowing multiple people in an Elder Scrolls game before, I feel like they would have a lot of trouble making it work properly. Hey, I can see that. Yeah. I'm optimistic, though. It's Bethesda, they've yet to disappoint me, so I'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, I'm just willing to... I'm willing to give it a try, man, and see how it turns out. You know, I'm, I'll wait for more news and see what's up with it. Yep, and uh, speaking of MMOs, uh, 38 Studios, the company that did Kingdoms of Amalur, they are currently working on an Amalur-set MMO, so it would be set in the same sort of universe. I'm not sure how wow. it would interact with Reckoning, but uh, they are working on an MMO that it hasn't been officially announced and there aren't any real details, but it is confirmed that it's being developed. And uh, they've recently hired some uh, pretty big names as far as MMO people go. At first was the, uh, they hired John Blakely. He was the Senior Vice President of Development at 38 Studios now. And he's worked mm. at Zynga, before that, he worked at Sony Online Entertainment. He oversaw the development of DC Universe and EverQuest 2. So that's some pretty big stuff right there. Then they got Mark Hansen. He's the new Senior Vice President of Operations. And he came from the studio that developed the LEGO Universe. And, oh, wow. So it okay. looks like they're uh, you know hiring the people they need to make it work. So Okay. Um, well, before I get into the Amalot MMO specifically, let me just go back to the um, Elder Scrolls thing quickly and say... Oh, sure. Bethesda could do that. You know, they could hire some experts on MMOs and, you know, have them help them in that area. So, you know, as far as as them not having experience with online games, you know, they can just hire somebody, basically. But, yeah, um, as far as the Amalot MMO... Um, this just tells me that I really have to get into Kingdoms of Amalur soon because it seems like it's a big, big world with, you know, a rich storyline. If, if if they can make an MMO off of it, then, you know, there must be some depth to it. So I definitely got to get into it at some point. Hopefully now that I've finished Mass, Mass Effect 3, I can, you know, probably buy it and get into it. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. Out of, um, well, I was going to say out of all the fantasy RPGs that have came out this year, but I think it's like the only one. So, But yeah, it's I definitely recommend it. It's very, very good. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, the combat's really, really fun, especially given that it's an RPG. Usually combat isn't this fast-paced. So it's uh, it's really cool to play a game that's as deep as Amalur is, but have that same kind of fun, fast-paced combat. And uh, yeah, so I don't really know a whole lot about the MMO. For Amalur, there haven't been any real concrete details yet outside of the fact that they are working on it. Uh, but, I mean, it's, it's a world that would be perfect for it. There's tons of races, tons of areas. There's different factions. There's uh, They have a very, very deep amount of lore and story behind it. It's I mean, it's perfect for an MMO. So I think it'll work out well. Cool. All right, so next we'll move on to our Spotlight. And then we'll finish up with our impressions. Uh, this week for a spotlight, we're going to keep with the Bioware theme. And we're going to talk about the Knights of the Old Republic series, as well as the new Old Republic MMO. Uh, so first, uh, we'll talk about the single-player series, the Knights of the Old Republic. And uh, I guess first we'll go to you, Rich. Have you played that series very much? Oh, yeah. Well, I played the older games. Um, not necessarily uh, the newest one. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I played the first one on Xbox 360. I really enjoyed that. I mean, that was really the game that ushered me into getting on Bioware with their stories. You mean Xbox One? Yeah. Yes, there you go. Thanks for correcting me. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Yeah, Xbox One. Uh, but basically, I played the first one, really enjoyed the story, the fact that I could make choices. Um, the second game came out, wasn't really quite as, you know, as good as the first one, in my in my opinion. But still, you know, like I said, it, it wasn't really a bad game. But, um... That's the Obsidian. <laughs> Say what? I said that's Obsidian for you. <laughs> you know, being a fan of Star Wars and um, just the ideas, you know, I, I most certainly enjoy the experiences because I'm a Star Wars fan. Then when you put it in this type of a setting, introduce some new characters, and then you still have some memorable characters in there as well. It's really an uh, engaging, intriguing experience. Uh, with that said, though, I, I have not been able to play the MMO because, like I said before, you know, I don't have a, a PC, primarily a Mac person. Uh, I know that's going to have Wait, to change. So you can't, you can't play that on Mac? No. Mm-mm. Man, they got to fix that. <laughs> no. Like I said, I know it's going to have to change for me. I'm definitely going to have to at some point get a PC, considering that all the games come out on PC. If there's a Mass Effect MMO, I most certainly got to get a PC because you already know it ain't going to be on anywhere else but the PC. <laughs> they, they, like, those MMOs should be available for the Mac like by default because a lot of people are on Mac nowadays. Like, So I don't see why they don't cater towards the Mac too. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of games do. I, I don't know why they made that decision for that one. Yeah. Well, they figure the majority will be on PC, so they go after majority, the, the majority. <laughs> and probably oh, yeah. graphics, graphics are better as well on the PC with the graphic cards that you can buy for the actual PC. So, Yeah, but, you know, as far as the Knights of the Old Republic series, I only very recently got into it. Um, it was actually last year, I think, early last year, 2011. And... Um, you know, I bought KOTOR off Steam. You know, I played through a good amount of it. Like, I played at least, like, 8 to 10 hours. But, you know, I, I'm experiencing a glitch that won't let me go any further. Like, once I get to the, the Ebon Hawk ship, you know, and, and then you have... You know when you have to board the ship and then you have to shoot down the... um, You go into space and you have to shoot down the enemies and stuff. Yeah, yeah. The enemy ships. Like, I can't get past that part because it just crashes. And I think it's because um, the game isn't compatible with Windows 7 or something. And I haven't been able to find a decent fix. There was one guy who said um, you have to delete all video files or something like that. But I don't want to do that because obviously it's my first time playing and I want to be able to actually see the story unfold. You know, so I'm kind of pissed that I can't finish it, because I was really, really getting into it at that point. But hopefully, you know, hopefully someone out there can give me a decent fix, or, you know, there will be some kind of fix that comes out at some point, or I'll just get a new computer or something just to play that game. But, yeah, I mean, I really I really do want to get into the... I want to finish KOTOR, and I want to at least try out, you know, the second game as well. And I do want to play the MMO at some point. Yeah, when it gets when it gets cheaper, probably. 
Yeah, it, it'll get cheaper eventually. All the MMOs usually do. They the base game drops in price. The subscription mm-hmm. fee probably won't ever drop, but um, the base game will. And uh, they'll they'll start offering more trials eventually. After a certain amount of time, I'm sure they're going to open up like a seven day trial or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, before you you like give your experience of playing um, the Old Republic MMO, like when did you get into Kotor itself, like? And what do you actually think of the game and the franchise? Uh, similar to you, I have not finished the first one, and I have not played the second one. But okay. I have played a pretty good chunk of the first one as well. Um, I think it's really interesting to see how that engine has kind of progressed through the years, how Bioware has pretty much you know, been just updating that same engine. Yeah. Because uh, like KOTOR yeah, was the first 3D kind of game that they made that used an engine like that. And mm. since then, you know, it's been used in Dragon Age. It's pretty much been used in Mass Effect. Um, it's been yeah. used in, I think, The Witcher even used that same engine or a third-party version of it. Uh, so, I mean, it's really cool to see kind of where it started at. And, yeah, uh, definitely. I know that the older games they made, I think Neverwinter Nights 1 used the same engine, but it's a little bit different since that one's more of a top-down view. And uh, the original Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate 2, used a similar engine as well. Uh, so, I mean, they've been, all their games they've been making have been using engines like that. And so it's really cool to see how it developed. And, uh, I mean, it was probably the first Star Wars game I played that I really, really got into a whole lot. Um, yeah, because I remember you saying, like, and I'm I'm very similar to you on this as well, where um you will, you're not really into the whole space thing that much, right? But... Not really. Yeah. That's why I was so skeptical to play Mass Effect. Originally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think we, I, I think we have similarities on that because, um, you know, obviously, like when I was really young, I watched like the first Star Wars films that came out, like the, um, I guess it's called the prequel series now, yeah. or whatever. But yeah, I watched those when I was young, but I really, I didn't really like digest them and fully take them in or understand them because I was so young at the time. So I only really watched, you know, Star Wars fully, you know, like the prequels and the, you know, the episode ones and all that stuff. I only fully watched those um, um, last year. So, yeah, I watched all of those from, um, no, it was, it was the, I always get confused which ones came out first. But yeah, I watched all of them last year. So I, I really got into it. And then once I finished watching all of them, I played KOTOR and, um, yeah, I mean, from then on, I've just had an interest in it. And I actually got a chance to play the MMO as well at Eurogamer, and I was very impressed with it. So I'm looking forward to, you know, playing some more of that in the future. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Where were you saying? Well, I was just going to say I have a question, but I'm, I'm going to wait till you get into the uh, actual discussion about the MMO, your impressions. Okay, yeah. Um, for me, in the first one, it was the first go tour is probably the first uh, Bioware game I played also because mm-hmm. uh, I, I missed out on you know the Baldur's Gate Icewind Dale all of those games which I think some of those were Black Isle anyway but it's some of the same people um, so I, I missed out on all those because I didn't really have a computer that could play games very much until pretty recently and so KOTOR is probably the first game I ever played really that was a Bioware game and so it was pretty amazing to see you know, a game where you can interact with your party members so much and 
you can pick and choose who you want to take with you, who you develop a relationship with. And so for me, it was a very, very unique experience. And I remember the first time I got a lightsaber in that game because it was awesome. And finally becoming a Jedi, and that was pretty amazing. See, I wanted to experience all that, man. It's not fair. (laughs) And uh, another thing that game taught me is that um, if you develop something based on a license, but it's not based on, like, a movie, then it can be awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Because, I mean, it's in the Star Wars universe, so it's all familiar, but it's not Mm. based on a movie, so it's still new and unique. Yeah, exactly. That was one of the first experiences I had with something like that as well. So I... I think that game was really, really good, and I have I have both of them. I got them at Goodwill for like a dollar each, so I plan on have playing. You, have you? So you haven't played um, Kotor two, or have you? No, I haven't. Okay. Yeah, and then so um, do you all have anything else to say about the single player games? Oh no, that's what. No, I have nothing else to say. You might as well just get into the MMO now. Okay, so uh, I'm sure some of you know that. As we posted on the site this past weekend, starting from midnight on Thursday night, Central Standard Time, until 2 a.m. last night, they had a free trial weekend for anyone could jump into Old Republic. It was really quick and easy. You didn't have to give them your credit card information or anything. You just had to set up an account and download the game, and it would patch, and you'd be good to go. Uh, but it took a very long time because the game was pretty. It was close to 30 gigs, so... It wasn't exactly a quick process, but it was it was simple. And uh, once you get into you that, them, uh, what was that? No, I was just going to say that's one of the things that puts me off playing MMOs. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely they massive. <laughs> they are massively multiplayer. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it took a long time, but I have plenty of room on my hard drive, so I wasn't really worried. Continue. So t- what happens is first you're treated to this amazing cutscene. That is one of the most badass fights of all time. And watching that cutscene made me just want Bioware to develop a CG Star Wars movie. <laughs> it was so awesome. I believe I saw some of these CG uh, sequences. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, I, I remember seeing the CG sequence at um, E3 one year. I think it was 2009, you know, that long ago. They showed like a um, CG trailer for the game or whatever and like the section we were in there was like thousands of people just standing there but like everybody stopped to watch this thing because it was that awesome yeah it it was that visually stunning and everybody just stopped and watched it was amazing <laughs> yeah i i was a huge fan and then after you pick your side and your character and everything there's another cutscene as well that's almost as awesome not quite as good but it's still pretty awesome. And uh, so first what happens whenever you go into the character screen, uh, you pick your side, so light side or dark side, and then you pick your race. There's a bunch of different ones. Uh, I forgot the name of the one I picked, but they're sort of like humans, but they're blind and they have blindfolds, and they can only see using the force, which is kind of cool sounding. It didn't affect anything gameplay-wise, but it's kind of cool. And uh, I picked a Jedi Knight. There's... There's a few different classes. There's like the Jedi Knight, Jedi Consular. You can be a uh, it's like a smuggler, like Han Solo, basically. You can be a soldier. Um, on the dark side, they have like different types of Sith. They have uh, basically the equal to a smuggler. I forgot what it's called. 
Uh, you can be a bounty hunter, pretty much any type of character you can imagine you can be. And um, so then once you reach level 10, you get to pick a second class. And so each class has two classes to pick from. So for me, there I could be either a Jedi or a Jedi Guardian or a Jedi Sentinel. And uh, I think Smuggler has like Gunslinger or uh, something else I can't remember. But they offer sort of different play styles. And uh, I mean, overall, I was very impressed with the game. It was better than I expected. But all of that being said, it's still just a traditional MMO. And so what I mean by that is, um, you know, you go into the game. Um, everyone's pretty much not really socializing a whole lot. It's, the game is almost a single-player game. You don't even have to communicate with other people for the most part. Oh, that's interesting. You can, you know, you have your quest you can pick up, and uh, most people tend to have, like, ten quests at a time uh, running around. You know, a lot of the quests are just, like, kill this many of this creature, uh, go talk to this person. Uh, I mean, the combat's pretty basic. You, you target an enemy, you click your ability... It uh, goes from there. It's a little bit faster paced than most MMOs, which is good. But, I mean, the gameplay itself is not revolutionary at all. And, mm. But also, that being said, the story is incredible for an MMO. Most MMOs, you just kind of skip over text and you don't even pay attention to what's going on. Then this one, there's fully voice to cutscenes. You get to make dialogue choices like Mass Effect. You get, you know, light side, dark side points. There's... Uh, and in the time that I played it, I played maybe a total of like 10 hours over the weekend. I already had sex with an alien, which I thought was awesome. <laughs> I'm yeah, glad you can that. do that. Yeah, there's that. And it ended up biting me in the ass. She turned on me and I got kidnapped and she basically betrayed me. So I learned my lesson. And then it was awesome because I had a dialogue option where I could use the Jedi mind trick to make all the thugs go away. It was pretty cool. And... So, yeah, when you get your lightsaber, it's awesome. Very, very intense moment. Um, the one cool feature is you get companions. Uh, for my Jedi, I got a droid that followed me around. Uh, Hunter played as well. He was a uh, smuggler. He got a fellow smuggler guy to follow him around. And they have their own set of abilities, and you can customize their weapons and armor and stuff. And they're pretty cool. They're really helpful. Um, I liked the droid. He was pretty funny. He would say stuff like, uh, Jedi plus me equals saviors of the galaxy. And he just talked in, like, beeps and stuff, and he had to read his dialogue. It was pretty funny. I liked him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the story is really good, but the actual questing and then gameplay and all of that stuff is very basic. So, I mean, it's nothing revolutionary. I, I mean, Did I also you? didn't get it very far. I only got to about level 10, and the cap was 15 for the trial. So it's not like I got to see how the game is when you're high level, but mm. first impressions, it's uh, it's still just another MMO. Did you um, get to play with any friends or anything? Yeah, I met a Jedi guy that we pretty much did almost all of the beginning level stuff together. Uh, one cool thing that this game has is that it has a, like um, your story, like your own personal story is based on your class. So... For the first 10 levels, you only play with other people that are the same class as you. And so your story is very specific to your character. So, for example, Hunter, whenever he played, he spent the first 10 levels trying to find his ship that was stolen. Because he was a smuggler, so, you know, that's something important to him. But for my guy, who was a Padawan, I spent the first, you know, 10 levels 
trying to track down this uh, rogue Jedi that turned Sith and was causing, you know, a bunch of deaths for this one camp, and I had to, you know, find him and get rid of him and all that stuff. And so we had entirely different experiences, which was pretty cool. And um, one thing that they do, whenever you're in a dialogue, you have dialogue choices of what you want to say. And so the way they handle this for whenever you're in a party is that um, you can either do the conversation separately or you can do them together and have the party leader make the choices. And then there are certain areas that can only be entered by people that are your class because they're story areas. But you can allow people from your party to come into your area if you want. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of hard to explain. You kind of have to see it in action. But, yeah, I mean, everything works really well. It's very polished. It's very... It's very well done. The graphics are great. I was able to max them out on my computer, and it looks really good. And, like, as far as customizing your character, because this is what I love about MMOs, like, making your own little, you know, personal character or whatever, and, like, you know, making them look as different as possible from every other character. Like, is there a lot of options as far as customizing yourself? I mean, in character creation, there are, because there's a bunch of different races you can pick you know, hairstyles, what their face looks like, all that kind of stuff. But then once you get in the actual game, I, once again, I didn't get very far, so I might just not be seeing what there is later on. But pretty much everyone that was in the area I was in pretty much had all the same clothing on, and it all kind of looks the same. So there wasn't a whole lot of diversity, and once again, I didn't get too far. So maybe there is a way to change colors manually, or maybe you get more items later on or something like that. Uh, but, yeah, I didn't really see a whole lot of variety from when I was playing, which is, I mean, kind of disappointing, but at the same time, that kind of tends to happen. Usually you see more variety once you get near the end because people will get different types of gear and stuff. Oh, and I'll take this opportunity to mention Guild Wars 2. Um, in Guild Wars 2, you get to customize the colors of pretty much everything you're wearing, which is going to be awesome. And that game also has a personal story type. Uh, setting, but instead of based on your class, it's based on your race. My bad, my headphones fell out. But um, yeah, you said um, the story is based on your race. It's based on your class in Old Republic and Guild Wars Two. It's going to be based on your race. Okay. Um, I do have a brief question that I will that I would like to ask concerning this MMO. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Just making sure. Now, how is the multiplayer? in that Star Wars MMO because uh, I'm a little concerned about the multiplayer. I heard some people say it's great. I heard others say not so much. I mean, what do you mean by the multiplayer? Well, you're able to interact with other people playing the game, right? Yeah. Is there, like, uh, any noticeable changes when you do that? Like, if, uh, well, more than likely there shouldn't be. No, I mean, it's an MMO. There's always people around. You can, you know, there's a you can chat with people. There's, it's pretty much like there's uh, a chat room always going on. You can chat with each other. You, um, you can, if you see someone, you can target them, and you can, you can request a duel with them. You can trade. You can invite them to join your party, so you can gain experience together and do quests together. Um, there's guilds in the game. I mean, it has everything that any MMO would have. It's, you know, it has everything you would want, really. Okay. Okay. All right, you may resume. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, there's not a whole lot else to say. I only played uh, for a couple of days, so I, I can't really give a very in-depth analysis or anything. But I was 
it was better than I expected, but at the same time, it's nothing too amazing, except for the story. It does a lot of stuff that other MMOs should pay attention to, but uh, as far as the gameplay goes and all that kind of stuff, it's nothing new, really. Do you, do you think it's worth a subscription price? Yeah, I do. Okay. Because I, um, I know they're going to be updating it and releasing a lot of stuff in the future. What's the price? Uh, I'm I don't actually know. It's probably 15 a month. That's kind of the base price, $15. Okay. Uh, I think the core game is like 50 You have to buy that. How much does um, the Old Republic cost in the U.S.? I assume it's like $50. Yeah, it's like $50. What, for the actual game itself or like for the subscription? For the actual game itself. Yeah, okay, then I think this? when you buy it, it comes with uh, a month or two of free time. For fifty dollars, you get the game, and then you get some time, and then after that, every thirty days is fifteen dollars. Okay. Which I mean, yeah. I personally wouldn't subscribe because that's a lot of money, and I don't like subscribing to <sighs> games because I don't yeah. feel like I should have to pay every single month to pay to play a game I've already bought. Yeah, especially if like as. I mean, fair enough if it's, like, because some people are really hardcore about MMOs and they'll play it, like, every day. But, like, for us, for example, we probably wouldn't even play it every day. So, I mean, you know, paying for a subscription for a game, you you probably won't even, like, play all the time. You know, it's, like, it's a bit too much. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people make the argument, like, say... Oh, well, you know, it's an online game that's always online, so they have to manage the servers and update mm. it, and, which is true, but that does not cost every single player $15 a month. That is an exaggeration, because there's no way it costs that much money. And I'm pretty sure they can manage the game perfectly fine just charging you for the box. I mean, obviously, I'm not a game developer, so I don't know from experience, but I'm pretty sure it does not cost that much money. And if they wanted to charge people more, they could have an optional cash shop, kind of like what Guild Wars 2 is going to do, where you can buy, um, so like, you, you can optionally purchase some stuff for the game, like, uh, buy like a new, uh, like a new character slot, or purchase like something that makes you level up faster, or something like that, and give players the option to pay money to add stuff, but I don't feel like players should have to pay a monthly fee to play a game they've already bought. And that's one thing that I'm really happy about Guild Wars 2, is once you buy the game, you don't have to pay a fee. Yeah, i definitely got to try that out, man. Yeah, I'm going to play with you, David. I'm going to join your guild. Gonna, <laughs> you should. I'm going to force I'm gonna force myself into the guild. I mean, I could just invite you, but you can force yourself in if you want. <laughs> hey, dude, I'm excited. It's going to be awesome. All right, so... Uh, this is the moment that everyone has been waiting for. We are finally going to talk about Mass Effect 3. Yeah. We've already talked about it a ton with each other. So some of this conversation is probably going to be old to our ears, but new to yours. <laughs> uh, there are tons of spoilers, of course, because we're not going to hold anything back. We're just going to talk about the entire game. So yeah, you haven't so I, I suggest it, you... You stop listening here if you haven't played it, you know, because... Yeah. Or pause it and, you know, save this spot because I know you're going to come back and listen. Yeah. But, yeah, so this is your warning. There are spoilers ahead, so beware. <laughs> okay, so first, Rich, if you had to rate this game on a scale from 1 to 10, what would you give it? Oh, man. On a scale of 1 to 10, 
I would say maybe possibly I would have to give it an eight out of ten. Okay. What about you, Gary? Um. Yeah, I'd go with an eight out of ten too. Yeah, as time passes, uh, I agree. I initially after I beat it, I was like, oh, okay, this is at least a nine. But now the time has passed, and I thought about it some more. Yeah, it's a solid eight. Mm. Yeah, definitely. But uh, the thing is, like, you know, the first time I pl- I was playing it, like, I was I was amazed. I was addicted. And, you know, there was no way you could tell me that this game wasn't, like, a, a 10 out of 10 or something. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like, as it gets further in, you know, and you start seeing a lot of glitches and stuff. And, I didn't um, see any glitches. <laughs> no, you, I saw well, glitches. You played the PC version, so you were probably okay. But the console versions, like, there's a lot of glitches and stuff. Actually, I take that back. There are a few moments where the character's eyes were kind of weird. I had moments where I'd be talking to somebody, and they would their eyes would be looking in the back of their head or something. <laughs> it was a little odd, but, I mean, it wasn't anything major. I didn't have any big glitches. I mean, I agree with you, though. I... Up until the last about ten minutes, it is the greatest game ever made. Yeah, like and then those, even even that last level was pretty epic. You know the the um when you're in London and everything like oh yeah I that, that was I've, I've I've read some criticisms that it was poor level design, but I mean it's supposed to be hard. You're yeah. <laughs> you're fighting the I, I mean, on Earth. Yeah, and the place is supposed to be like fucked up, so yeah. obviously, is is you know the level design is going to be it's going to have to reflect that. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's not going to be conveniently placed cover in strategic locations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, up until you talk to that little godchild, the game is yeah. probably the best game I've ever played. Mm. I think. Well, well, yeah, well, I. I there are a few there are a few things that I will need that I need to address with that. Um without question the game is 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 phenomenal. Uh I I do believe that there were some elements, some things they tried to do too much. Um the story is one thing, but uh it's just certain things that it just felt like it didn't need to be in there. Um I know well let's well let's go to the whole thing about carrying those weapons now I, I, now you can confirm this because you guys would know more than me but I feel like that whole weight system they got that specifically from Skyrim cuz I don't remember that in Mass Effect 2 where you had the weapons and you know based upon how, you know it would basically determine how how well you move and maneuver now yeah I mean I don't um, I don't think they got it from Skyrim cuz I mean, in Elder Scrolls, you just have a weight limit. Like, you have an amount that you can carry before you're encumbered. And that's that's in a lot of RPGs. But I kind of liked what they did in Mass Effect because they didn't just have a weight limit. You can carry as much as you wanted, but you took the yeah, penalty like, to your powers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I, I liked that because it's like, okay, if you want to bring more weapons with you, you know, you're not going to be able to recharge your powers as quick. But you can sacrifice bringing all these weapons and just bring, like, one or two weapons with you, and then you'll also have your powers that recharge a lot quicker, and, you know, you can mix it up, you mix up the combat a bit, you know, you can go from your shotgun to your power, your sniper to your power, whatever, like, I, I kind of like that, you know. Yeah, I, like I did too. System. 
because I, I kind of liked how it would encourage different play styles where, you know, for example, if someone was an adept or something where they had a lot of powers, then they would probably just want to carry, like, a pistol and an SMG so they're really light. But if you're a soldier and, you know, maybe you just have a type of ammo on, and besides that, you want to use mostly weapons. So you bring a sniper and a soul rifle, a shotgun, and well, SMG. Just, just for the record, though, I will say gameplay was great in terms of uh, how the character moved. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people was going to be critical of that from the beginning, but the thing is, is that Bioware already had said before, you already knew they were headed in a more action, uh, you know, in that action-oriented pace, pacing. You know, I yeah. like the fact that Shepard was able to maneuver, duck all the other different moves, the rolling and stuff like that. I thought that was good. Um, so I wanted to put that out there. Um I mean, to me, the the really big issue, the big issue, it has to do with that story. Uh, there were some choices I felt like you you could make. It just didn't it just didn't make a difference in the end, though, because the endings are not that much different from each other. It's pretty much the same result. Um, yeah, exactly. Like you you get to make some really like um, big decisions in the game. But it's like in the end, it doesn't matter, you know. Like once you see that ending, everything you did before just doesn't matter anymore, you know. Yeah, that's what that's what it feels like. And and I and I can give you an example of something that I in particularly didn't like. Uh, you know, we go back to what happened with Morden. Uh, obviously, you can prevent him from dying, um, but you can't do that for Legion at all. Um, and I noticed because you know. When I did try the second time and just say, no, we're going to destroy the Geth, and that, then Legion turns on you and entirely yeah. shoots Legion. So yeah. <laughs> either way, Legion don't make it. That's probably not a big deal because I know they had to kill off some people. You can't save everybody, but I was a little confused how there could be a war with the Reapers going on, and yet you got these guys are still trying to have a war, while meanwhile their planet's getting destroyed by the Reapers, you know. I didn't understand that. But, and then, of course, you know, as you guys mentioned earlier about when you get to London, I mean, I thought everything when you got to London and how they were building up to that end where you speak to everybody before you actually start that final march forward, I thought that was just phenomenal. Yeah, me too. Especially Uh, Lyara. Did you talk to her? Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, that part was amazing. Oh, yeah. And, you know, if you had a romance with her like I had, yeah, that was a very special moment right there. Um, but you know, I know that the ending is is the biggest the biggest criticism a lot of people have, only because of they didn't feel like there was any closure to what's going on with the story. Um, I understand the importance of the kid because Shepard kept having that dream sequence where that kid was in the sequence. You know, but I feel they could have did the, they could have did a lot better with that because you know that kid was was introduced. I, I still. I still kind of don't understand that, like, that concept of the kid. Like, okay, so the kid is the crucible, the catalyst or whatever, right? Yeah. So, but it's like, why is Shepard, like, dreaming about that that kid, though? And, like, why is the uh, catalyst in the image of the kid? Like, well, you know, yeah, they don't explain the that. For... They don't explain why the catalyst is the, Im- is the kid. That's no, 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 they don't. Um, I feel like maybe, like, Whoever sees the catalyst, it shows their heart's greatest regret or something. I don't know. Mm. Something like that. Because they definitely don't explain it. Yeah, I guess that could be it. That's, 
but you see, that's a that's an example of something that could have been stronger uh, and yeah. done a little bit better because, like I said, you you meet this kid at the very beginning and they have you playing off the emotion of guilt that you couldn't help the kid when the kid said you can't help me, and you know they could have very easily went back to that line at the end and somehow made a connection with that, but yeah, they just didn't yeah. they, just, they, they just didn't take it anywhere. Um, but you knew when he kept having those dream sequences, it's like, okay. And then that's why when I saw the kid, then I said, okay. So that's why Shepard kept having that dream, why they kept pushing this, this thing with this kid. Yeah. Cause you know, I mean, once you were seeing those dream sequences, you know, you kind of knew that there must be some kind of, you know, connection with this, this, this going to play a part in towards the end or something or in the story in general, like you thought, why, why does he keep having this dream? You know, it's going to, you, you kind of think that it's going to be explained or it's going to, there's going to be some kind of closure to it at some point. Yeah. But, you know, I totally didn't expect it to be in that form. And you know, it, was just <laughs> kind of, it was just kind of weird. Well, which, I mean, I'm oh, sorry. Oh no, I was just going to ask, what is the, what is the decision that you guys chose at the end? The final decision. I chose the synthesis decision. And what made you choose that? Because I felt like it was trying to be a happy medium. And so I decided that it was, I would try to go for the best of both worlds. Okay. See, I chose the, um, I chose to kill all AI because the reason I chose that is because, um, I didn't want to force anything upon everyone. Like I I didn't think they, you know, it, it would be right to force synthesis upon them because nobody wanted that, you know, and the whole point of the war is to end the Reapers. So I felt like, okay, this seems like the logical decision because if I destroy all AI, then, you know, humans can, um, well, not just humans, but, you know, all the races can come together and decide what to do next because they'll be free from, you know, I know that Geth will die and Edie will die, but you have to make sacrifices if you want to well, you know, reach the the ultimate outcome, you know, and everybody wanted the Reaper's dead, so I felt like that was the main thing. And I know the kids said that if you choose this, eventually, um, the you know, everybody will create synthetic life forms again anyway. But I wanted it to be their choice to make, you know, it at least it will be all the races' choice to make if they want to recreate AI and synthetics again, you know, at least they would have a choice in the matter. Yeah. So that's why I went with that one. Yeah. I mean, I agree with your logic. I guess for me, first, I really liked the Geth a lot. Mm-hmm. And I liked Edie a lot. And I yeah. felt like um, that since I had proven that the synthetic and organics had worked together, that I didn't want to have that go to waste and just destroy all synthetic life. Because I felt like that didn't need to happen. But then at the same time, I didn't want to control the Reapers because I saw what that did to the elusive man. So I didn't yeah, feel like uh, that was a proper course. And so for I don't me, think anybody wanted to do that. Oh yeah, I know. Now, not if you're a paragon. And so, I mean, for me, I felt like, yeah, I'm making a decision for a lot of, you know, a lot of species that probably don't want to merge synthetic life with organic life. But at the same time, I was put in that position because everyone felt like I was the right person to make the call. And so, I mean, because I had that one dialogue with Hackett where he, like, basically says that everything is up to me and I get to make any decisions. So 
I just felt like that if all life was combined together, then there would be no chance of war between those two. And so I just felt like it was uh, the best option in my mind. Yeah, I see your point. Well, you know, uh, I also did make the same choice that uh, Gary made, um, only because, yeah, I just wanted to get rid of the Reapers altogether. Now, now, unfortunately, you know, where the problem lies is what happens after that, because, you know, I saw all the endings, and... Uh, yeah, me too. I'm not really sure what where the hell you yeah. can go from here, because the mass relay is destroyed. You have all of the aliens that are on Earth now stuck on Earth. And yeah. the bigger question, because there was a video, I know we saw a video the other day, there's a bigger video that asked another question. You know, we, 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 don't, we don't know what happened to everybody on the crew, but the ones we see at the end, you know, you got to ask yourself, you know, I thought that they were supposed to stay with Shepard because he's commander-in-chief. So yeah, you, like, that, that's kind of dumb. Like, uh, okay, firstly, just so the listeners know, like, every choice you make, the ending is, the, the outcome is the same. The mass relays get destroyed. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's all the same, no matter what you choose, which is stupid. But also, the whole Normandy thing, with your crew or whatever, like, I find it kind of stupid that they're flying through the mass relays after you make the decision. Cause yeah, it's like, aren't it they, makes no Aren't they sense. supposed to be on Earth? They're supposed to be on Earth fighting, like, at that moment. Yeah, yeah. Joker Joker wouldn't run away. Yeah. And and also, there was, like, whenever I was running towards the beam of light to take me to the Citadel, my squad members were there running with me. They should yeah. have died. Or if they didn't die, they should still be on Earth fighting. They shouldn't be on the Normandy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't make um, any sense. And the biggest The biggest problem for me is... I mean, yeah, all the endings are the same. Yeah, the endings themselves are kind of dumb. But, like, the entire series is based around you getting to make decisions. Yeah. And then Mm. once the finale comes and you're at the end of Mass Effect 3, regardless of what decisions you have made, all of the endings are the same. (laughs) And you don't... See, it doesn't matter if Rex Lidger died in the first one. It doesn't matter if you slept with Ashley or Lyara. It doesn't matter if you saved the... Krogan, or if you destroyed the, or if you kept the genophage, none of that matters because regardless of what happens, you have three choices. Exactly. I feel like that Bioware kind of got lazy at the end, and maybe they didn't want to have to put in that work to create various different endings. Yeah, that's definitely what it seems like, and also the fact because they. They said like that there would be sixteen different endings, or that there is sixteen different endings. But the thing is, having you know one character in this scene, and then you know another person completes it, and instead they have this character instead, or whatever, like that doesn't count as a different ending just mm-hmm. because there's a different character. There. Yeah, it does. There's or, three endings, and they're all the same. Or the yeah. different colors. Yeah. Yeah. Count yeah. <laughs> all of that was the same. And the other thing that bothered me is, you know, my shepherd, I, you know, tried to be as paragon as possible, but there are some moments where I made decisions based on my gut. But for the most part, whenever uh, I, got, I was in a dialogue with somebody, I tried to influence them. You know, you're this is Mass Effect. You're supposed to have control over the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're talking to this little kid, 
you're forced to believe everything he says. You can't negotiate or talk to him or ask yeah. him for information. You can't say, well, you know, I just made the Geth and the Quarians work together. Isn't that proof that maybe we can coexist? Why can't you say, you know, fuck you. I'm just going to wait and see what happens. I feel like we can win the war. And then if you're writing yeah. this and your strength is high enough, maybe you win. If it's not, maybe everyone's destroyed. Like, why can't that be an option? Yeah, like um, somebody else I was talking to about the game, they said, you know, there should be an option where you can say, fuck you, and then go back to Earth and just continue to fight the Reapers until you die or, you know, or whatever. Yeah. It should or, be an option like that, at least. Yeah, or if your strength and readiness was high enough, maybe you can actually win. Like, maybe you can figure out a way to point the Crucible and just shoot at the Reapers or something. Yeah. Like just, just more variety. Like, like 10 minutes before, I was able to convince the elusive man to shoot himself in the head, but I can't talk to a child. <laughs> Kidding? <laughs> yeah, that... Well, well... Now, well, now you mention it, that ending really just does seem rushed. Like, well, really. what, what, what... Y'all also had the little bonus clip at the end, right? No, yeah, I didn't, because the... I chose the synthesis option, so I didn't see that. I was destroyed. Wait, which one? Are you talking about the um, the Shepherd Heartbeat one? Yeah, because I didn't get that one. Okay, I didn't get that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Basically, you get that if you um if your total military readiness is is over five thousand, right? If your strength, yeah, your strength. Yeah, yeah, and um, basically, it's just like a it's only a couple seconds long, like five seconds or something, and it's like you see his chest you know, where he's supposed to be dead or whatever. Yeah, the N7 armor, you see the logo. Yeah, and you then you just see him take a breath, and that's it. Mm. See, that, to me, that that that's that bugs me. Like, if, if they're going to have something like that, they should have, make it more in-depth, and make it to where he either lives or he dies. Yeah. Mm. Like, I think there should be an ending, like, for example, um if you can go down on earth and continue the fight or whatever, let's say maybe there, there should be like three or four different ways. Like you should be able to win the fight and survive. And it's like the happy ending. You should be able to win the fight, but Shepard dies and there's like a funeral. You should be able to lose and like everything's destroyed. I mean, there should be different endings that based on the choices that you made. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like there should be scenes like on earth where, you have to fight waves maybe in like, in like maybe one area is where the Krogans would help you if they were there. And another area is where the Geth are. If, hey, if the you Geth would what? help you. You, you know what? Like that. That's a, that's an excellent idea. And, and I would, I would have loved, I would have loved if they was providing some type of assistance. And yeah. though in that, in that particular situation, because take, for example, when you have to, uh, you know, I remember what was that last scene where you got to fire a cannon. Yeah. And it's like, it's just bosses just keep coming. The, the, uh, Asari Reaper that keeps yeah, the trans- transporting all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could have like, some assistance on that. <laughs> I think it would be awesome if like, you know, maybe there was a, a hot spot over in London, like where big Ben is. And there's, you know, that's where all the Asari are and you can fight with them if they're there. And then if they're not, maybe, like, certain landmarks get destroyed or, you know, maybe you go to, I don't know, like, in the U.S. and, like, maybe there's at the White House or something, you fight with the Krogan. And if the Krogan aren't there, then the White House gets destroyed. Yeah. Or just something like that. 
Yeah, because yeah, like, cause the thing is, you spend the whole game trying to unite these forces, and you don't even see their, see them in the battle at all. Like, you don't see what they bring to the table. Yeah, I just, I just saw that. I just saw them getting finished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But y- y'all, y'all are absolutely right, because if you recall, at that very beginning scene, after you have those conversations with everybody, there's a tank that's already en route actually helping you fight the bad guys. And then it's like, okay, after that, okay, now you're on your own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why I said yeah, like, Why is it just you three, like, taking on all those banshees and stuff? Like, where's everybody else? <laughs> <laughs> they can't fit all them, them players on screen, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but still, like, they, they, there's other ways they could have, you know, showing more, you know, more of the war itself. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I believe so. Um, it, I mean, I know y'all said it feel rushed, but, I, you know, I also feel that uh, EA told them you need to milk this thing for as long as possible, so we got to have a whole bunch of DLC content that we drop out. Okay, as far as the DLC, because, like, people are speculating that they're going to fix the... um fix the game with the fix the ending or whatever with DLC. Yeah. See, my thing is on that and also I want to talk about the from ashes as well in a minute, but as far as fixing the ending with DLC, like I do not agree with it because like the the game you sell us, you know, 60 pound for the collector's edition or mm-hmm. you know whatever it costs for the normal, you know, with that we should get the full game. It, it should come with a beginning, a middle, and an ending, you know, and it should provide closure within that, you know, package, within that standard package that we bought. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It should, it should, it should have all of that, get me? And you yeah, shouldn't I mean, have DLC, to buy it. You know? DLC is meant to augment the original game. It's meant yeah, to it's, add it's meant to. Yeah, it's meant to provide optional, additional content. You know, it's not really... You shouldn't have to buy it. You shouldn't be forced to buy the DLC to to have closure to what you already have. You know, it's stupid. And another thing is, I mean, a lot of people, you know, nowadays get into the discussion of whether or not game is art or, you know, what what is games or what is gaming and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, if if fans are able to convince the developers of a game that they should change the ending, I mean... That the developers created what they wanted to create. That was their artistic idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, they should stick to it. I mean, yeah, I'm unhappy with the ending, but they should prove me wrong and release DLC to augment the game to make the game itself better, but not change the ending. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Or even if they do want to change the ending, you know, with DLC, give it give it out for free because you know this is what we should have got anyway. So give it to us for free. Yeah, yeah. I Don't mean, make us pay for it. Yeah, like if they release additional endings, maybe like additional mm. choices at the end. Um, that yeah, that should definitely be free because. Well, I think the people who purchased the collector's editions will probably feel the most upset than those yeah, and, about the regular ones. <laughs> yeah, and let me let me talk about the From Ashes as well, like. Um, Javik is a really big character in the game, I feel. And I agree. I've, 
I feel bad for anybody who has to play the game without him. Yeah. Because there's some key moments in the game where he provides a lot of like insight, you know, to what has happened in the universe before. Mm-hmm. Like especially the um, the mission where you go to the Asari homeworld. Like I can't imagine you know playing that mission without Javik because I didn't have him. Yeah. With me. Yeah, but I mean, even that, that even after though, even after the yeah. mission, when you're back on the Normandy. Yeah, know, they, whenever Liara and him are arguing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, I, I, I mean, there's a lot of people who are going to miss out on that, and it's kind of sad because you know he, I think he's an important character. Well, they'll say if you want to experience that, got to pony up that money, ten dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it's that yeah. day one DLC stuff. I don't even want to get started yeah. about day one. There was no reason for him not to be in the original game. No reason at all. Absolutely he correct. Sh- he he should have been there. Absolutely correct. And to be honest, he's one of the best characters you can have on your team, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, it provides a lot more information, a different perspective. So. Uh, another thing that I want to say is this whole DLC thing. Uh, one thing to keep in mind is... No matter what DLC they release, it's not going to take place after the ending because the game doesn't save. It just reverts back to right before that mission. Hey, oh, yeah. you know what? You're right. So if they release DLC, it's just going to be uh, like the like the game says. It says, you know, you've completed the story of Commander Shepard. Download DLC to continue building on his legacy. Yeah, you're so, right. So does that mean DLC is just going to be additional side missions before you fight the Reapers? Because hmm. I mean, I feel like that'd be kind of pointless at this point. Yeah, that's not good. You're absolutely right about that one. Yeah, I mean, ideally, I don't... This game shouldn't have even had DLC. Like, ideally, like, it should have just come with everything possible and been, you know, the ultimate ending of the trilogy and, you know, like, just have no additional DLC or content. Uh, unless it's, like, well, weapons and stuff. Well, because, you know... Well, well you know... um this is why I have respect for what they're going to be doing with Witcher 2. They've made it clear, releasing it for Xbox, they actually added more content, but they already said everything that you get is what you pay for. There will not be no additional downloadable content or none of that other stuff because it's yeah. not really necessary. You know, it's yeah. meant to be an experience from beginning to end. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for the most like... part, I definitely agree with that, but I feel like some games do DLC correctly. Like, I yeah, feel but, like Bethesda does it well, because they release giant add-on expansion packs. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even saying that because I oppose DLC or anything. Like, the reason I'm saying it is, okay, Mass Effect 1, Mass Effect 2, yeah, DLC is obviously appropriate for those games. But for Mass Effect 3, which is the ending of the story, you know, it's the complete end of the trilogy. Yeah. There's no, there, I don't feel there's any reason there should be DLC unless it's weapons and stuff like that. Yeah, because I think what, I agree. Once you, yeah. once you experience the ending, that's it. You know, there's there shouldn't be anything more after that. Yeah, I mean... Unless you're going to make a completely new game. Yeah, if the ending had been done correctly, then it should have been the conclusion to the best sci-fi story ever told. And it should have just yeah. been the finale. Like, the very end, Shepard's story is over, and that should be it. But... That's obviously not going to be the case. Exactly. What do you guys think about that little piece at the end with the grandpa? (laughs) 
The shepherd. See, um, the shepherd. Yeah. That, I, I think I think it was you that told me about this theory. Um, about because the, obviously the guy is talking. He's telling shepherd stories to the little boy. Yeah. So the theory was that um, that everything you played once you met the kid was a story that somebody was telling and that it didn't really happen. So apparently the DLC is going to give you the real ending or whatever. But that's just a, that's just that's just a theory though. But uh, it's interesting. It's an interesting thought. Well, see, if we're going to take this to the extreme, that means the entire series didn't happen. Because if you continued your save file from the previous Shepherds, you've been playing the same story. Because, mm. I mean, I've I've continued the same save file. I've only played it with one save the whole time, and I've continued the exact same save throughout. So that's been all one continuous story. And but I think, I think they mean um, the story actually, like the story that's being told actually comes in from when he, you know, enters that room with the boy. Like that's when the story the fake story starts or whatever. There's nothing but in the game that would indicate that, though. There's yeah, no, there's I, nothing to back that up. There, there's also the theory that Shepard is indoctrinated, but this. Oh, like ever stupid. since he touched the beacon in the first one? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of stupid. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, if he's indoctrinated, what does the elusive man? Don't be surprised. Elusive man may, may see him again. <laughs> what did y'all think about uh, Kai Lang? You mean Raiden? Well, <laughs> that character was in the comics. Um, yeah, but uh, I was very—I found it very annoying because it just so happened that when I had that boss that, that boss battle with him, that's when my 360 kept freezing up. <laughs> so it was right during that confrontation where you know his energy is is already at the. At the point where you know all I have to do is hit him a couple more times, and then oh. you know when he does that recharge move, he yeah. does the recharge and just stays there stuck in the ground. It was like, what the hell is this? So <laughs> had to restart the system, do it, do it over again, and finally beat him. But uh, yeah, you know, I thought that was interesting. And then they had that little scene afterwards where you can, you know, stab him. What yeah, happens if you don't react? Because I reacted. Oh yeah, you know what? I I asked my I asked my friend today who um, just completed the game today actually, but I asked them what happened when they played that part, and they said they didn't do the rene- renegade trigger, but the same thing happens. Like Shepard Shepard um, kills him anyway. Oh, so that's dumb. Yeah, it's dumb. Like I don't get why you would have to trigger. Well, yeah, it shouldn't have been an option if it was like that. But you already knew he was going to die because he killed Thane. <laughs> and not if you didn't have Thane. Oh, well, wait, hold on. You, you didn't have Thane? Oh, no, I did. I'm saying if the person didn't. Well, I found out, to elaborate on that further, uh, if you say that uh, General Kirahi, yeah. he was the one that was in the place of Thane. So either way, either him or Thane was going to die. Ah. Uh. Yeah. What if you didn't save the general? Well, that's a good question. I mean, what if you didn't save neither one of them? That's an excellent yeah. question. That's an excellent question. It would probably just be some like random person because um because I played um the the um Jacob one yeah I played the Jacob one uh, mission y- yesterday 
You know the one where you um, have to save the ex Cerberus people or whatever. Yeah. And um, on the f- on the account, uh, I mean on the file that I played, my Jacob died. So instead, well, hey, hold on a second. Some... What did you do instead... for him to die? Uh, I sent him on a you know on the suicide mission on Mass Effect Two. Oh yeah. I sent him to do the tech job. Oh, so he died. died. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why would you yeah, say that's, that? that's terrible, Jack. Kanye <laughs> fell I, off. The reason I sent him to do that is because, um, like, my Legion had already died at that point, and I didn't want to send Tali because I was scared she was going to die. Yeah, so that's right. I sent, uh, <laughs> I sent put Jacob. the woman before the, before the brother. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. So, what happened on that mission? Did the people survive or what? Um, yeah, so basically it was it was like just some random black guy instead of Jacob. <laughs> so that's that's probably what they would have did in the Thane situation. Like it would have just been some random guy, just some you know, yeah, well, just some random fill in character. Well, I would like to say um, anyone that is a male shepherd. And and they are playing, you know, they made a decision in Mass Effect One to save Caden. Uh, be, beware of some gay activity in that in that uh, in Mass Effect Three. Because how many very times suggestive. did you make out with him? Say say what? How many times did you make out with him? I didn't make out with him at all, but he'd be making passes at Shepard. Liar! Liar! <laughs> no man, that character. No, your your Shepard, your Shepard was already taken by Cortez, though. So you should have just told <laughs> no, him. No, 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 not mine. I was with Liara. Oh, yeah. No, I don't think so. <laughs> what about Mr. Uh, Vega? Did you wrestle with him a few times? Yeah, one 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 confrontation with that. That was interesting that they would do that. But I, you know, I heard some people complaining. They asked, "Why did they put a Gears of War character in this game?" <laughs> and I was like, "Well, I understand you would look at that and think that, but they could have done some a little bit more with that character. It's just like it's just a guy who, you know." Eventually, he, he doesn't have respect for Shepard, but eventually he gains respect for Shepard. But still, they could have did a little bit more with that. Yeah, I never, I didn't like him at all. I felt like he was just out of all of you, all of your other characters that you have with you and your party members are notable characters in the galaxy. Like they are important people. Mm-hmm. James Vega is just a random guy. Like, you know, Ashley or Caden, you know, the second human specter ever. You got Garrus, who's, you know, what was his name? Archangel. He's like a famous assassin, pretty much. Thane is an assassin. You've got Lyara, the shadow broker. You've got, I mean, you have a Prothean. I mean, come on. James Vega. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Yeah, you got got that reporter, too. Jessica Chobot. <laughs> yeah, that, that that was another useless character. <laughs> yeah, it even looks like. Her. Yeah, that, it was definitely her. But yeah, I didn't know she could be that annoying. I know a lot of people were upset about Edie. Why? They felt like it was a useless sexualization that was unnecessary. <laughs> Which I mean is true, I guess, but it was still. No, awesome. I, I oh. think it was like it was needed in the story because obviously you're fighting AIs. So, um, yeah, you know, you, it's like to have that side story in there that was kind of, it was kind I of mean, good to reflect. I liked it. Yeah. Personally, I really enjoyed it. I thought her and yeah. Joker were hilarious together. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think it was set up really good because, you know, obviously, I mean, going back to the final decision, you know, that makes the decision harder to make because the fact that you yeah. have Edie and, you know, Edie's character is really developed in this game thanks to her having a body. So I think it was really needed. That was really needed. It definitely influenced my decision. Yeah. Oh, oh, it did. Uh oh. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, not just her, but Joker as well. I feel like if he knew that I voluntarily destroyed his woman. Oh yeah. He'd beat me with his crutches, probably. Without, without question, without, without <laughs> question. But, 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 but you know something else that I haven't really tested out yet, and I'm very curious to test out. Now, if you remember what happened with Morden. You know how you can basically, you know, take the bribe and pretend like you got rid of the, the genophage and that Morden died when really he escaped. Yeah. I'm curious if that ever comes back, although I'm not really certain it is because of the way that it ends. I'm wondering, would they, do they ever find out about that? Yeah, see, that's the thing. It seems like a lot of the decisions you make that have long-term consequences – uh-huh. don't matter because you only play the game in the short term. And you don't get to see, there's no epilogue. I, f- I feel like they should have had, like, a bunch of different series of videos that kind of show the results of your decisions. Yeah. Like Heavy Rain did, if you guys played that. Yeah. Like, they had a bunch of small epilogues that pieced together to make up the ending. Yeah, exactly. That, that would have been awesome. Mm-hmm. One thing, uh, I don't know, did you guys watch all the other endings? Yeah, actually, I did. I haven't seen the other two yet. Okay. Well, one cool thing about the synthesis ending is whenever it shows that planet that they crashed on, the leaves have, like, little robotic veins in them. <laughs> really? Yeah, so, like, everything is organic and, synth- and synthetic at the same time. And Joker and Edie are, like, get out of the Normandy, and they're, like, holding each other. And Joker has, like robotic veins you can see like blue in them yeah i saw that i was wondering that i thought it was it was a nice touch it was pretty cool but i mean it didn't change anything yeah like the overall outcome was still the same like you know yeah. mass effect relays to destroy yeah exactly like what i don't understand is if you choose to control the reapers why would the uh, mass relays be destroyed because you have to send the signal to all of the reapers and the oh, other okay. systems I mean, that's the explanation, but I don't understand how a signal to tell something to leave causes an entire mass relay to be destroyed. <laughs> like, if you, had to, if you had to drive an asteroid into one and a rival to destroy it, how can a signal that is just like a radio signal to tell something to go? Yeah, that's stupid. Yeah, so... Must be explained. <laughs> yeah, right. See... Another thing is, like, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, they want the ending to be vague because it's supposed to be left up to your imagination. But the, the whole series has never been like that. No, this, so they, so in other words, people saying they want this to end like the Sopranos, where you have to question what happened to Tony Soprano at the end. See, that kind of stuff works in a medium where you don't interact with what happens. Yeah. So you're left wondering. But in, in like, a video game where the entire series you've made all these decisions and you've seen the consequences, you want to see what happens. Exactly. And it's it's not fair that uh, Mm. players don't get to see what their decisions ended up doing. 
and as far as like reactions, uh, like I read today an article that said people are actually filing legal um, complaints about you know because of the ending, saying that um, Bioware and EA falsely advertised the game. And stuff. Well, I guess you could say that is kind of true because I'm looking at the back of my box right now, and it says "Take Earth Back." <laughs> I don't remember yeah, ever def- taking you definitely Earth- don't get to do that yeah take Earth back yeah right here I'm going to read it it says groundbreaking interactive storytelling drives the heart pounding action in which each decision you make could have devastating and deadly consequences they say it could have yep that's it that's the thing right there <laughs> how you wage that war is entirely up to you no no it's not <laughs> that's not true only to a degree yep because, so, uh, yeah, yeah take earth back that was the motto of the game that did not happen which I mean I'm fine with that would have been perfectly fine I think another good ending that would be cool is if like you could have chose to sacrifice earth to save the rest of the galaxy or something like that yeah that would have been an interesting choice well, yeah, because then you ask the question of what what's going to happen. Yeah. People like Shepard. That would have been a cool ending. But instead, we get different colored lights that make yeah. everything go to shit. And yeah, get to see yeah people's falling. And, and, and by the way, uh, did any of you guys see Harbinger? Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was about to ask, like, what, how come you didn't get to, like, talk to him or something? Uh, or interact he's mentioned him? once. Yeah, I yeah. saw when they when they said, yeah, we're, we're going to to see Harbinger, and then they said, Harbinger? Oh, yeah. And then that's when they have that little, that's, the, the vehicle gets shot, and then we have the slow motion sequence of dudes walking and shooting, Max Payne cool. style. I like that. <laughs> that's pretty intense. Yeah, something different. Yeah, I mean, I think the ending was very, very well done, up until you talked to the little kid. Mm. Oh, and what happens if? Because I heard um, something's supposed to happen if you if you save the um, collector base at the end of Mass Effect Two. That interaction you have with the elusive man is supposed to be different or something. So, like, what what's the difference? I have no idea. Well, because okay. well, yeah, that's interesting because even in Paragon form, if you remain Paragon, you still try to reason with him. But you, you just can't reason with him at all because it's already too far gone for that. Um, I'm not sure, though. I might have to look that up then after the show. Oh, I found out um, if you didn't save the Rachni, I found out what happens. Oh, what's yeah, that? I, I, I know what happens because that happened to me on my first play. Yeah, the same thing. The Reapers recreated a Rachni queen. Yeah, the same thing happens if Legion died. Yeah. yeah, nothing is they, different. Wow. They they basically create their own Legion. Like it's a it's a um well it's explained that it's like a VI version of Legion. You talk about Cerebus, Cerebrus? And then you, Yeah. Yeah, and then they also were saying how if you don't save Jack, you don't go to that Grissom Academy, then before you get to that Cerebrus base, then yeah. Jack appears as an enemy. Now I saw that and it's not anywhere close to what they said. It's like one of the you know, standard enemies, but they just have a, a health bar that says Jack. That's it? That's it. Oh. 
that wow, that's that's crazy. Had they <laughs> actually did that, were you actually going against, say, a, a possible friend who has now been, you know, absorbed by the Reapers? That would have been great, but no. Yeah. They, they, that's that's not what it is, though. <laughs> that would have been so um, awesome. And what happens is, because in my first playthrough, I, like I haven't got there in my second playthrough yet. But in my first playthrough um, with Miranda, because I didn't give her the, um, the access to the the um, Citadel data or whatever she needed, she died. But what happens if you do give it to her? Um, whenever you go to the sanctuary, the refugee camp, yeah, and you um, basically. Miranda leaves behind a bunch of clues that helps you find where her father is. And whenever you get there, uh, her father is holding her sister hostage. And Miranda's, like, on the ground injured, and you negotiate with them. And after you... you, I got him to let the sister go, and then Miranda kills her dad. And then what does she do after that? She's just like, okay, you know, whenever the time comes, I'll help you. And so you get her as an asset. (laughs) Whack. Oh, yeah, well, wait till y'all play Renegade. Because a lot of other stuff happens that is very dramatic. doesn't affect the outcome of what happens in the end, but it's just very interesting to see how much of an asshole Shepard could be to his own people. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yeah, I'm playing, um, whenever I do Renegade, I'm going to do a female. (laughs) You'll be surprised. But you see, I'm not going to spoil that. Yeah. All right, so um, do you guys have anything else to say about Mass Effect 3 before we wrap it up? No, I, I want to hear from the people, man. I want to hear from some of the listeners. So please leave feedback and comments. Um, email us at turnbase at thecoalition.com. Yeah, and be, feel free to recommend uh, games for the Spotlight segment or... Uh, Maybe games that we should recommend to people or anything like that. Just feel free to shout out stuff and we'll touch on it on future episodes. Sounds good. All right, so that's uh, turn based episode nine. Uh, stay, in, stay tuned for future episodes. Yes, yeah, stay All tuned. Right. Peace. <laughs>